Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So last week, the Outdoor Adventure Travel Show was on, and that's where I got the chance to meet up with the folks from G-Adventures, who are a major sponsor of the Outdoor Adventure Travel Show, by the way, and learn all about their African adventures. So we'll hear about that later in the podcast. Plus, RedWeek.com recently came out with their list of the top 25 timeshare rental properties and where they happen to be located And if you thought Hawaii was up on the top of the list, you'd be correct. So we'll talk about that and also renting a timeshare in general. But I want to begin this week's podcast by talking about duty-free shopping. I think we've all done it, but are you really getting the deal you think you are? Personally, I don't think so. So to help us out, we're joined now by Angus Kidman. He is the editor-in-chief of Finder.com. Hi, Angus. Hi, Randy. So uh, let's talk about this survey about duty-free shopping and the research that you did on Finder.com. Some interesting results. Uh, Overall, what did your research find? Well, we wanted to see if duty-free really was cheaper. We often assume it is. We think, hey, we're not paying duty. should be a better deal. But the reality is that often it's not. We looked across six sort of categories, which are really popular things, things you always see in the duty-free store, trying to work out if they were cheaper. And it was a 50-50 split. Three of them turned out to be cheaper. Three of them turned out to be more expensive than if you just bought them at home or went shopping online. Mm-hmm. So what were, the, what were the ones that were cheaper then? So by, the best one by far, the best deal, was if you're buying spirits. So mm. you know, if you want to pick up your bottle of Johnny Walker, uh, that works out to be about... 18% cheaper duty-free. So that's a decent saving. So that could, you know, that could be worth taking up. Of course, you've got to be aware that like, there's a limit, on, a fairly strict limit on how much of that you can bring in. You can only bring, if it's 1.14 litres of spirits back into Canada, that's the limit. So you won't be able to fill your entire cocktail cabinet that way, but if you're coming back in, then it may be worth buying those spirits there because the chances are you're not going to find them cheaper anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, did you factor in the difference in the Canadian dollar versus the US dollar. And I say this because I came back from the US recently and I went to the duty-free shop. But when you factor that in, if you're getting an 18% on average uh, cheaper price, but you're paying 30% more <laughs> because of the exchange rate, you're not really ahead of the, of the deal, are you? No, you're not. And we were, we were looking for these price. We wanted to look at what you're paying in Canadian dollars because ultimately that's what you're going to have to look at. So obviously that varies as the economy goes along. But yeah, assuming relative constancy, then yeah, it, it, we did take that into consideration because also, yeah, you don't, yeah, as you say, otherwise you could easily get tricked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now what were the more expensive ones, for example? Well, the in- interesting flip in that direction, by far the worst one was chocolate. Um, and you do you see a lot of that in duty free stores. You'll see piles of Toblerone, piles of lint, but it's way way more expensive. Uh, about 118 percent more wow. on average. You're going to get a yeah, much, it's, it's a massive difference. So there's really no point. And I know sometimes people are tempted on the way out. You think it's a nice gift, or maybe you want to bring it back for the family, but that's just really, really, really bad value. So no way should you ever be buying chocolate in an airport. This should be my number one piece of advice. So we're not saving on chocolate. What else are we not saving on? Uh, we're not saving on perfume either. And this is a big category in duty free. You see a lot of this floating around, mm. but generally it's 52% more expensive. It's just not. Yeah, it really isn't making a difference there. So um, I sometimes wonder, I think maybe people do that. As, yeah, again, they kind of, it's the guilt purchase. Oh, I better have a present to bring back to someone, and the perfume looks like a good option. So <laughs> if, 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 you, if you need it as a relationship saver, 
fair enough, go ahead and buy it, but recognise that you're going to be paying over the odds for that privilege. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, I, I, we talked about uh, spirits being on average cheaper. What else? Uh, you said there was uh, sort of a 50-50 split. What else was uh, a bit cheaper and duty-free? So the, the thing, oddly enough, while perfume's more expensive, skincare and makeup, in both those areas, you'll see a saving. So with skincare, on average, it's about 14% cheaper duty-free. So that's a reasonable saving. Makeup was about 2% cheaper. So that's not a massive difference. Maybe it'd be better to say, well, that's on par. So if you see something and you like it, the pricing's probably decent. But if there was a really good sale on somewhere, you might find makeup was cheaper elsewhere. But yeah, that category was... Yeah, overall, was cheaper. That's why I find it interesting that I think, well, skincare and makeup work out cheaper, but perfumes work out more. And in my head, I kind of think of that as all the same category. But yeah, exactly. When it comes to duty free pricing, <laughs> it's a little bit different. Well, and, and when you and you made a point too about if you can find things on sale, if you wait for a sale, you're probably beating the duty free price on just about everything, even uh, spirits, right? Oh, definitely. That's the thing. I think ultimately, yes. If you if you hang around and you know, look out for those sales, you're always going to do better than with duty free. I think, and yes, that would apply right across those categories because you know when you when you hit those key sales periods, you're going to see sales bargains that are bigger than that eighteen percent. You often will see twenty five, thirty percent, fifty percent. So yeah, ultimately, if your key goal is saving money, then I think yeah. Shopping around and shopping online is going to be better than shopping at the airport. Mm-hmm. Well, and also if you wait for a sale at home, you can buy more. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to <laughs> declare it, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, if you don't have to declare it, you don't get to the hassle. You're not stuck with those limits. You can't bring in that much spirit. You can't bring in similarly with wine. You can't bring in very much of it. And wine's always cheaper if you buy it by the dozen. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, article is called "Sky High Prices at Duty Free." You can find it at Finder.com. And Angus Kidman is the editor in chief and travel expert with finder.com. Pleasure chatting, Angus. I appreciate it. Well, redweek.com recently came out with their list of the top 25 timeshare rental properties and where they just happen to be located. So joining us now to talk about that and to give us some tips on renting a timeshare in general, we are joined by Valerie Hines. She's a customer service manager with redweek.com. Hi, Valerie. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Tell me a little bit about Redweek before we get into talking about timeshares. Sure, of course. We um, have been around since 2002. And our founder um, was really interested in timeshares. Um, he saw the differences in the accommodations and was really intrigued. He didn't own a timeshare at the time, but he thought it would be a great great place to, to have a website for timeshare owners to come together with renters of their, of their timeshare. And so that's how Red Week was born. Uh, so is this a, a popular trend? I imagine it probably is. Uh, people are always looking for different types of accommodations, and it seems to me that uh, timeshares, uh, it's almost like renting an apartment for a week or more, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And we're seeing the popularity grow every month. Um, so the secret is getting out, but you know, unfortunately most people don't know that you can do that. Um, you know, what we're seeing is... is more visitors and more visitors and more owners who can't use their weeks, and so we put them together. And you've come up with the list of the top 20 time, 25 timeshare rental resorts. Uh, we'll run through uh, some, of the, some of the resorts. Uh, Hawaii is uh, as popular as ever when it comes to renting a timeshare, isn't it? It certainly is. It's, it's definitely next to Aruba. It's, it's 
one of the most popular locations. And there are gorgeous resorts there as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay, now let's go straight to number one. Uh, this is in Aruba, the Marriott's Aruba Surf Club. Tell me a little bit about that. The Marriott's Aruba Surf Club, um, there's also a sister property called Marriott's Aruba Ocean Club. These are by far the most popular resorts we have. Um, the accommodations are amazing. And there's everything from little studios, which are similar to regular hotel rooms, all the way up to two- and three-bedroom units that can sleep 10 and 12 people. Um, the resorts are basically second to none as far as the quality and the service. Um, right on the beach, they have lazy rivers, all sorts of things for not only families to do, but honeymooners as well. Uh, is, no, when it comes to this particular resort, is it like a hotel? Do you have a front desk? Do you have people uh, looking after your uh, accommodations as far as uh, maid service, that type of thing? Or is it just like almost like an Airbnb where you, you are responsible for everything? <laughs> no, it's a full-service resort. Um, when you rent a timeshare, it is important to know that there isn't traditional housekeeping on a daily basis. Um, so some resorts may come in once a week, twice a week. It really depends on how long you're staying. Um, but other than that, as far as amenities at the resort, they have concierges, they have full-service restaurants, swim-up bars, all sorts of fun things. So you get the best of both worlds, really, right? You do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I tell you, you know, as somebody who used to stay in regular hotels, um, then tried out a timeshare, I was just floored, and I'm now very, very spoiled. As a <laughs> well, that was number one. Uh, what was the criteria on making it to, uh, on the list, uh, number one on the list? What were you looking for? Well, yeah, that, actually, we've changed our criteria a little bit, but um, in the past, it used to be just the number of inquiries sent to owners. Now, these are we determine this by the number of inquiries that are sent through our system, as well as um, the number of units that are actually booked through our rental program. Okay, and so obviously uh, Aruba is a, a popular place. We mentioned Hawaii. What was the number one in place in Hawaii? Uh, number one in Hawaii is Marriott's Ko'olina Beach Club, which is gorgeous. <laughs> um, it's uh, all Marriotts are fantastic. Um, we, it, it, coming in at number five is also another Marriott in Hawaii. That's Marriott's Maui Ocean Club. Mm-hmm. And these two have everything from studios, little small, you know type of hotel type of rooms and go up to three and, and there are even some resorts with four bedroom units. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine that uh, it's the three and four bedroom units. Are those the ones that uh, go first? Because I, I have it in my head that I think uh, people like to uh, look at timeshares and, and the size of them because they have either a larger family and uh, hotels just don't quite accommodate them or it's a group of people that want to stay in the same place. Well, yeah, the, the larger units, they are in, in shorter supply than the smaller units. Um, so people planning family reunions do tend to snap those up a little bit quicker. Um, but the most, most popular sizes are usually the one and two bedroom units. Uh, so I've never rented a timeshare. Uh, tell me, give me some tips on what I should be doing. Well, the first thing is you find a reputable site like Red Week. Um, once you get there, I... I like I said, I'm a safety girl, so I always tell our customers, be sure you check out the resort. You know what resort and what units they offer at that property. Also look for safe payment methods. Um, we have a product, it's, it's Red Week Payments, where we actually hold the funds for the rental so the renter knows that 
they're going to get what they paid for. Um, and it's an incredibly popular service. But first and foremost, do your homework. You know, know the resorts. Um, read our frequently asked questions on how to get started. And it requires a lot of trust um, for both the owner and the renter. So if you, know, if you don't feel comfortable about renting it from a particular person, um, then you don't have to proceed. So, you know, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and payments are another, another huge concern, you know, with so many people wanting to rent timeshares and owners renting out their timeshares. Well, you know, there are some unscrupulous characters online who mm-hmm. found ways to scam. And so, you know, I always say, don't uh, make sure it's a traceable payment method. Um, it's never a good idea to wire money or PayPal a stranger thousands of dollars. Uh, well, that's the advantage, I guess, if you're using a credit card, you do have some protection there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. How far in advance uh, are some of these places booked up? Well, owners, it, it depends on the resort. Um, generally, many owners can book about a year in advance. Then in order to get the highly desirable dates and units and resorts, um, they do book a year out. Um, we tend to see people booking their vacation rentals more in the f- three to six months before they're intending to travel. Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side... But there are also some last-minute good deals out there, too. <laughs> I suppose so. there is. On the flip side, if I do mm-hmm. have a timeshare, how do I manage to uh, get uh, Red Week to help me out? Well, you could start by visiting our site, and we do have our frequently asked questions, and we have a fantastic customer service team, and we're there to help you in any way we can. But basically, you want to decide the resort you want to rent out, and then book dates for that resort. Then you come to our site, and we have a full-service option where we're gonna, we'll handle that rental for you. Or for those people who want to do it themselves, they can hop online, create their posting, or create their ad, and then communicate directly with renters. Hmm. Well, it all sounds very simple. Is there a particular uh, property on this top 25 list that uh, you managed to like yourself? Oh, heavens. I'm kind of a resort junkie. <laughs> I have to say that. I am partial to the Disney Resort, but Harborside of Atlantis is probably one of my favorites. Nice. It was number seven on the list in Paradise Island in the Bahamas. Just run down a few of the other ones that uh, caught your eye that was kind of a surprise, perhaps, on the list. Yeah, well, it's, we've been running this, this list year after year, so we're pretty used to, to seeing these resorts come up. Um, the Royal Sands, which is number 19, that's in Cancun, is a gorgeous resort. I was a little surprised to see that one on there because we don't see as many bookings. Um, Hilton Head in South Carolina, Marriott's Barony Beach Club at number 21. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic, fantastic resort. And um, Diddy Aruba Phoenix Beach Resort, um, is, it's not as big and not as popular as the Marriott properties. It's fantastic. Well, they're all over the world, and you can find them on the Red Week website. It's redweek.com. The top 25 timeshare rental resorts uh, gives you some great ideas on where you can stay. And Valerie Hines is the customer service manager at Red Week. Uh, Thanks, uh, Valerie, for your insight. Appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, Randy. Thanks so much, and you have a great day.
Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the Outdoor Adventure Travel Show was on last week, so I got the chance to meet up with the folks from G Adventures and learn all about their African adventures. And that's where I sat down with Marika. She is a Chief Experience Officer with G Adventures, and here is that conversation for you now. Um, so tell me, uh, everyone thinks a CEO is a Chief Executive Officer, so uh, you're a high-ranking official with uh, G Adventures? I am indeed, but not for the same reasons. So at G Adventures, uh, our CEOs, it actually stands for Chief Experience Officer because we are the tour guides that take you on these amazing adventures through the world. Um, being the first person that you have contact with, we believe that our guides are the most important people in the industry. Well, let's expand on that. You're like very important because you're the, the frontline people. You're handling everything, I assume. That is correct. Everything from giving you information, telling you the do's, the don'ts. We are your local friend away from home, um, guiding you through the whole trip. So now what area is your expertise in the world? I do Africa trips. So South and East Africa, I guide around 13 countries in Africa with G-Adventures. <laughs> so obviously we don't have time to cover 13 countries. Uh, and it's kind of like asking a parent who their favorite child is. But uh, out of all the trips that G-Adventures offers, uh, let's uh, narrow it down to one or two that are maybe your favorites or maybe popular among your guests. I would definitely suggest Namibian Desert and Botswana tours. So we have various itineraries that run through that. Our classic trip is the perfect combination of comfort and a little bit of adventure because we have five nights camping on that trip. So it's an 18-day trip and you have everything from just incredible landscape scenery in the Namibian Desert. What a lot of our travelers say is they want to see the Milky Way, they want to see the stars. So we do stargazing in the dry season between June and November. That's the perfect time in the desert for stargazing. And um, the desert is surprisingly full of life. You're not just going there to see the dunes and the canyons. We have zebra, antelope, giraffe while we drive. It's quite long distance driving, but the scenery, the animals, the wildlife, it is just incredible. There's, um, we very, visit various national parks. Itasha National Park is mm -hmm. probably the favorite, in, one of the favorites in Southern Africa because we have a waterhole inside our camp. So in the daytime, you do this beautiful safari and at night you grab your bottle of wine or your coffee or whatever <laughs> is your poison, sit with that at the waterhole and just watch the animals come and drink throughout the night. The lion very often roars you awake through the night, so it really feels like you're emerged in this wildlife safari experience. And then Botswana gets you a little bit out of that desert. We visit the beautiful Okavango Delta for a full-on bush camp on an island in the middle of nowhere, pretty much. It is, it's an incredible experience. Oh my gosh, saying it's incredible uh, probably doesn't do it justice. Tell me about when you're talking about camping and then you suddenly turn around and say you can enjoy your uh, glass of wine while watching the, wa watching the water hole. <laughs> um, I'm assuming this isn't roughing it. You know, it, it is a slight bit roughing it, but we have a lot of travelers that say, I don't want all the luxury. I want to have the full on experience mm -hmm. i want to do some nice camping because that is something we do really well in africa uh -huh. so when i say camping yes you're going to be putting up your tent we'll show you how to do it we give you a mattress you are going to be sleeping with your sleeping bag but i mean when we cook on the fire for you we do it really really well no matter the dietary requirements we cater for all of them vegan gluten intolerant doesn't really matter and i am south african we know how to braai as we call it <laughs> which is barbecue <laughs> 
um, like no one else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said the, the proper words in there, cook for you, so therefore I don't have to do the cooking, right? That is correct. We cook for you. <laughs> so now 18 days, you covered a few days there. Where does it start? Where would I fly into uh, and coming from North, Amer North America? Trips like this are reversible. So you can either start, you can, yeah, start in Cape Town or start at the endpoint Victoria Falls. Typically, we suggest fly into Cape Town, have a few pre-days there because it is a beautiful city. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of wine tasting you can do and a lot of history sites as well. As well. Um, and then we head up through the Namibian desert and we end, we also head up through Botswana and end in Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. Post days are also advisable for optional activities. So you can do everything from helicopter flights over the beautiful Victoria Falls, bungee jumping, if that's your thing, maybe <laughs> zip lining and just shopping in the local markets. So now yeah, G Adventures by your name alone is known for an adventure company, obviously. Uh, what are some of the restrictions, physical restrictions? How adventurous do you get? It is not a physically demanding trip. Um, I would say we do have some long drives on dirt roads, mm -hmm. which can be challenging for someone with a severe back problem. Mm -hmm. But we, we do take breaks along the way. In terms of physical fitness, we do have some walking, but it's not a physically active trip. And uh, we do give travelers the option to do it slowly. If, and you know, they're never forced into a physical activity, such as maybe walking by the dunes. Mm -hmm. There is a bit of walking involved, but that's why we have the CEO with you. <laughs> so if you have some difficulty, you do it with your CEO. Mm -hmm. I recently had someone with a dual hip replacement wow. come and walk with me by the dunes. And we had the whole group. And you know what? She took it in our own pace and she did it. Awesome. So how young is too young? There is no too young, really, but um, no, there's no age restriction on our classic trips. Okay. But typically, we have our average age group is around 55 years old, mm -hmm. but anything from 42 to 73 or 80s, we've seen it. There is no too young. There is no too old ages, but a number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone that we have on these trips, they have a similar mindset. They, they're there to see the landscapes, they're mm -hmm. to enjoy being outdoors. They want to see the wildlife. They want to interact with the locals. So it does get you a little bit out of your comfort zone, but not over the top, mm -hmm. but you are going to know you are in Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, now, how big of a group? Uh, do you have a maximum number or, or a minimum number as far as the group tours themselves? And are they all year round? Our tours are all year round, mm -hmm. maximum of 18 people on those trips. But typically I see about 12 to 14 people on the trips. Uh, we, every country is seasonal, so we do have peak season, but because there's something to see throughout all of the year, our tours are pretty much booked full throughout the mm -hmm. whole year. But June through to November, dry season is definitely the best time to come because people think, why would I come in dry season? The main reason is wildlife has less water to drink. Uh -huh. So the waterholes by our camps, the waterholes by the lodges that we visit is gonna be the local waterhole for the wildlife. Mm -hmm. So we are more guaranteed for better sightings and no clouds in the sky, better stars. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the things you should know when you're preparing a trip like this? Like, what do I need to pack? Well, a sleeping bag would be good <laughs> for the camping <laughs> nights. There isn't a whole lot that you need. People tend to overpack. Mm. The desert is hot. So you're definitely gonna want some cool clothes, quite thin, but a warm jacket for the evenings. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you would be surprised how cold it can be in June. Around June, July, we easily have one zero temperatures, not quite minus 16, that we don't get those in Africa. Um, definitely uh, check your vaccines with your travel doctor. Mm -hmm. There isn't a whole lot that you need. Um, it's not a malaria risk zone, although Botswana is. So you might need to look into taking some anti-malarials mm -hmm. or just using that mosquito spray regularly. And um, yeah, other than that, maybe a good pair of walking shoes mm -hmm. for exploring. Uh, does safety issues, uh, do people ask about that when they're um, you know, inquiring about a trip like this? We do get that question a lot. Uh, it is a big concern for people. Is Africa really safe to go to? And the answer that I would give them is, yes, it is safe. We're, we were never going to take people on a trip where they're not going to be safe. Mm. It's not good for our travelers. Mm -hmm. It's also not good for us as a company, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, in media, they do always highlight all the negative aspects of a country. So yes, there are some political issues, but it's not affecting our tours. Mm -hmm. So we have local guides on the trips. You're traveling in a group. We have an extensive guide network. We're always connected to the local office. We know when something is happening, and if we need to divert a route, we will. Mm -hmm. But we will never place our travelers in a dangerous situation. So I've been guiding for seven years there, and I've been living there my entire life. Mm -hmm. I have never felt unsafe. How do you, like if I wanted to plan a, a, a trip, to, is it just go on the G, G Adventures website? So that's a good place to start? That is a good place to start if you wanted to have a bit of a browse at uh, different itineraries. It's a very easy to follow website. You can browse it by country. You can mm -hmm. also browse it by trip style. Maybe classic and a little bit of roughing it is not your thing. Then you can look at our National Geographic Journeys mm -hmm. trips. So this is for the traveler that wants more comfort, more luxury, and that has always paged through those magazines and just wish they could go on a trip with National <laughs> Geographic. We are partnered with National Geographic, so we offer those trips as well. Uh, Marika is a Chief Experience Officer, CEO at G Adventures. Uh, very insightful. Thanks for uh, doing this. Thank you very much for inviting me to talk to you. <laughs> And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.